You're clean, aren't you? Except for your tower. You're a tower junkie, Roland. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast devoted to Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower Series. We discuss the themes, characters, and mythology of the series in Palaver episodes and review the books and comic series in Kef episodes. We also discuss King novels related to The Dark Tower, non-Tower King novels, TV and film adaptations of King's work, and the latest news about potential Dark Tower-related adaptations. You can find more of our work at towerjunkiespod.com and follow us on every level of social media at Tower Junkies Pod. I'm your host, Matt Hurt, and it's just me today again. Uh, and today on the podcast, I'm kind of kind of just do a general hodgepodge of uh, different uh, news items that have cropped up in the last couple of days. Um, I'm recording this very soon after the relaunch episode that I put up yesterday. So um, I'm recording this February 10th. It's been about 10 minutes since I stopped recording the last episode. <laughs> so um, yeah, so there's not much to kind of dive into as far as Stephen King news or check-ins, uh, sort of. Um, check-ins, I just, my check-in for the week is I just recorded a relaunch episode of Tower Junkies. Um, yeah, but I do want to mention this episode has a few different things uh, that I want to go through, and one of them is the Pet Cemetery trailer, and I'm going to save that for the end of the episode, though, because I don't want people to see the trailer. Um, if you have... Okay, so Pet Cemetery. if you have not read the story or seen the new trailer or you're, or you're trying to avoid the new trailer uh, because of the uh, spoiler-heavy stuff in it, um, stop listening once I get to that portion of the episode. Um, but for your benefit, I am going to put that at the end of the episode. That way, if you want to be as um, untainted by the uh, trailer and everything, you can avoid it without having to skip over um, an extended talk about it. So having said that, the first thing I want to bring up though is, uh, CBS all access. They just announced uh, a couple days ago that the stand is officially been ordered to series for a 10 episode series on CBS all access. Um, now what that means is that it's getting 10 episodes. It's going to be on CBS all access and it's happening. And I am so freaking excited about this. Um, the stand adaptation is a thing that's long been gestating. Obviously, um, there was talk at one point of there being th of it being broken up into three movies. I want to say that Ben Affleck was talking about directing it at one point. Um, and then Josh Boone came on board, which I like that, that guy. He is like the quintessential Stephen King fan. Like he is, he's, he's a very talented filmmaker. I've, I've enjoyed a lot of his work. I'm very much looking forward to the new mutants that unfortunately got pushed back last. Like it was supposed to release last year, but it's been pushed back to this year. And there's a whole hubbub about it may be being dumped on Hulu and I don't know, but I'm still excited for it because I enjoy Josh Boone's work a lot, but he did have a movie called stuck in love. I believe, um, 
that <laughs> he wrote and directed it and it has Stephen King in a voice cameo, but Stephen King does have like, like he's part of the plot in the movie. Like, um, um, Nat Wolf plays a, a guy who's obsessed with Stephen King and it's just really charming and everything. I really like the movie. So check that out. Uh, so CBS all access. Um, I haven't had any experience with CBS all access. Um, I've heard good things about star Trek discovery and I've been meaning to check that out, but I just haven't gotten a subscription to it. But man, CBS all access is not CBS. They're not messing around with their original content because they've got star Trek discovery here in just a few weeks. Um, or like six weeks, uh, they're launching the twilight zone which is of particularly uh, of particular interest to me since I have anth- uh, anthology my solo side project podcast which can be found at anthologypod.com and which is also being relaunched along with Tower Junkies so uh check that out but uh and then now they're giving a series order to the stand and that is super exciting because even when Josh Boone was um attached to direct it as a film as like a three picture film trilogy. I think after Ben Affleck dropped out or was out of it, I don't, I don't remember the exact chronology of the news and everything, but I wasn't too crazy about them making movies of it because the stand is such a massive work that it belongs on TV, like in a limited series thing, even though the original miniseries, I don't think was quite that great. I, I saw maybe the first two episodes of it. I just remember Rob Lowe uh, playing Nick and like he's, he's a mute, a mute guy, but he reads lips, but like Rob Lowe was not like making any kind of eye contact at all. Like it was, it was very bizarre, but anyway, um, man, I need to read the stand again. Um, such a great novel, but, um, so it's going to be on CBS All Access. It's officially going to have a 10-episode run. Um, I believe it's just going to be a limited series, one-and-done kind of thing. They're going to put all of the um, all the content into 10 episodes, I think. But um, kind of the bigger news about that or the kind of question that arises out of that is will this be uh, – like R rated, <laughs> um, are they going to have like R rated type of material? Cause it's obviously, um, the stand is obviously very graphic and very, uh, disturbing in a lot of parts. And Josh Boone actually commented on that on Instagram and said that, uh, something to the effect of hell. Yeah, it's going to be R rated, um, HBO level of content. So that is a very, very exciting, um, because the combination of not being restricted by censors or anything, along with a massive Stephen King fan at the helm of it under Josh Boone, like this has all the makings of being a very great adaptation. Like I'm very excited about it. Um, and I can't wait to see what happens. I don't know when it's necessarily going to come out. I believe it's probably going to be next year, but I can't wait. Um, <clears throat> And I do want to read this quote 
From the article, um, from Deadline, it's a quote from Josh Boone. He said, quote, I read the stand under my bed when I was 12, and my Baptist parents burned it in our fireplace upon discovery. Incensed, I stole my dad's FedEx account number and mailed King a letter professing my love for his work. Several weeks later, I came home to find a box had arrived from Maine, and inside were several books, each inscribed with a beautiful note from God himself, who encouraged me in my writing and thanked me for being a fan. My parents, genuinely moved by King's kindness and generosity, lifted the ban on his books that very day. I wrote King a cameo as himself in my first film and have been working to bring the stand to the screen for five years. I found incredible partners in CBS All Access and Ben Cavill. Together with Stephen King, Owen King, my longtime producing partners, Nate Lee and Jill Killington, we plan to bring you the ultimate version of King's masterwork. Um, which, by the way, I forgot to mention that Owen King is um, going to be in the writer's room. He's one of the writers of the show. So that's very exciting. Um, having said that, having said all of that, um, I really, really, really hope <laughs> that uh, Nat Wolf plays. Nick Andros. Um, that's just, that's a personal pick for me because I, I like his work a lot and I think he would be very good at, uh, playing Nick. So hopefully that happens. Um, and he has a working history with Josh Boone, so maybe it will. Um, we'll see, but I'm so excited for the stand. Can't wait. And I have all the faith in the world in Josh Boone and the team that he's assembling for this, for this project. I can't, I can't wait to see it. Okay, so my next piece of news is directly related to the Dark Tower series. Um, and this is a little bit murkier than the stand. And I'm, I don't know, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to explain. Let me, let me go ahead and go into it. So, um, from the hashtag show.com, uh, the headline is exclusive. Uh, Amazon Prime's The Dark Tower series sets production schedule. Uh, this is written by Charles Murphy. It was on February 7th, 2019. The article says Amazon Studios is set to move ahead with production on their adaptation of Stephen King's The Dark Tower books. The series, which will be comprised of 13 one hour episodes, will be executive produced by a team of huge names led by Glenn Mazzara from The Walking Dead and The Shield, uh, Akiva Goldsman, from Titans, Star Trek Discovery, and the Dark Tower movie, um, and King. So this is from basically, it's purporting to be a press release, I believe. It just says that um, Amazon Studios has begun looking to assemble a cast ahead of a mid-April start of production in Croatia, where the series is expected to film until late June. It appears that part of the delay may have been in part due to efforts to distance the series from the 2017 film adaptation, which was received poorly by fans and critics. The series will, of course, focus on Roland Deschain, a young boy from a long line of gunslingers, and his cot his cotet, comprised of Cuthbert Allgood, Elaine Johns, Eileen Ritter, and Jamie DeCurry, in addition to his girlfriend, Susan Delgado. The studio is currently looking at actors and actresses ages 16 to 18 for all the roles listed above. And that's basically all the information it says. Like, there's more about, like, Martin Broadcloak and, um, and Roland's mother, but... Basically, um, so this, it feels like it's going to be, you know, what was originally intended as an adaptation of maybe Wizard and Glass and, uh, some of the kind of 
background of Roland as a character, which I am so all about, especially with Glenn Mazzara behind uh, behind it, because he is he's a very talented writer. I was first turned on to his um, his writing and his work on the FX show The The Shield, which was undeniably one of my top three favorite TV shows of all time. It's, it's incredible. Um, and I think he was also, um, involved with the walking dead when it was at its, when it was at its best, in my opinion. Um, so that's also a feather in his cap. And he has been talking about, um, or he's kind of talked about doing the dark tower, um, here and there on social media and like on his profile, like it has a, uh, like part of his profile on Twitter is hashtag dark tower TV. So, I mean, he is, he's invested in it and he's going to be involved in it and everything. And that's great. Um, my hesitance and everything is that this comes from the hashtag show.com, which is a website I have never heard of. And also, um, <laughs> and I, I don't know how to take this. Um, and I'm going to disparage this, this thing that I love more than anything, really the dark tower. Um, but, but when this, when this news hit, um, nobody ran with it. <laughs> like, like this, this website was the only website to have this news for about five hours before other media outlets, uh, started, uh, running with it. And like, there was no, it was all just basically from that same press release. So, I don't know. I, I'm just really, um, not skeptical, but like, I don't want to get my hopes up because it's kind of, it just seems kind of peculiar, but the biggest kind of, um, the biggest point of, uh, authenticity to this story is that the way that I and several other people found it, well, actually uh, one of my listeners, one of our listeners found it and, and tagged me in it, but this was originally retweeted by Bev Vincent, who is, aside from King and maybe Robin Firth, uh, maybe one of the more, one of the preeminent authorities on the Dark Tower. So he is plugged in and I'm sure that, um, that that is a pretty good indicator of, um, it being an authentic news story. Um, having said that, the fact that the other news outlets didn't run with it for several hours and, and it doesn't seem, I don't know, maybe I didn't look hard enough, but it didn't look like it had that much traction. Um, that makes me nervous because it makes me feel like even though obviously, um, as noted in the article and, uh, um, as it's kind of, um, alluded to in the article, it's potentially, it's potent, there's a potential that Amazon has been holding off on it to distance themselves from, uh, that disaster of a movie from 2017. But, uh, the fact that, you know, news outlets didn't run with it immediately afterwards or anything kind of makes me feel like maybe there's still a little bit of, uh, negative negativity surrounding that brand and, and the name, the dark tower, which sucks. Like that is, that is horrible. I, I'm, it makes me angry. <laughs> like I actually am very angry at that. Um, so hopefully that's not really the case. Maybe it's just because it was just a, um, a news item that appeared on, on a website that frankly, I don't know if anyone's really heard of. Um, that's, that's, 
kind of mean, I guess. Um, cause who the fuck am I? Um, <laughs> like I'm just Tower Junkies pod. Like who, what, what is that? We have like two episodes every like nine months, but, um, but no, it's not, it's not like deadline broke it or, or slash film or anyone else like it, like they didn't break the news or anything. So it's, that's where my skepticism com- comes from because I, I still don't know what the hashtag show is. So anyway, um, hopefully it's real. Hopefully it's happening. Hopefully it is great. Like that's, that's, that's the most important part of it. And I think maybe, uh, here in a few weeks we'll do an episode where me and tiny will kind of go through and talk out our feelings about this, um, <laughs> this development and what we want to see from it because man, it's so like, uh, and I'm going to step on that episode here, but basically the idea of us following Roland as, as you know, a kid, which uh, I don't know, like it's fine. Like it's, it's a good idea and I want it to happen, but I also want it to be framed by like, the story, the the Dark Tower story, like, I get it that it's, you know, it's going through, like, his backstory and everything, and that's important to have, but I kind of always come back to that big thing that I have with all adaptations of the Dark Tower, or any possible adaptations of the Dark Tower. Um, I need it to start with the, the man in black fled, fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed. Like I need that to be the opening scene of any adaptation. Like just, that's just how my brain works. Given the way that the, the story is told, like that has to happen. And I would hope that this is like, we see that, but I don't know, maybe, maybe it starts with, with that. And then it's all a flashback. And then eventually, if it's a huge hit, we will get like a movie series, a proper movie series, or maybe future adaptation, like future iterations of it on on uh, on uh, Amazon. will cover the books, um, but I just I just want that. I like I don't know because it feels like it it might be taking taking something away from the Dark Tower series as a whole if it is just solely. Uh, Roland and his cotet in Magus or wherever, or in, uh, um, I need to read the books again <laughs> or, or wherever, like the, with court and everything. Um, Gilead, Gilead. Wow. Why did it take me so long to think of that? Jesus Christ. Anyway. Um, so yeah. And like it had, like the story has potential. Like if you go back and read the comic books, like there is such a, and I know that on my other podcasts, I have shit on this franchise to death, but there is such a rebellious Star Warsian type of um, story that is depicted in the um, in the comic books that I think would make for an incredible TV series. Um, just the idea of these kids who are um, basically the last of their kind They're They are the last gunslingers and they've banded together to take down John Farson and, and the evil that is, that is destroying their world. Um, that is such a compelling story and com- compelling type of thing. And it, it's a compelling origin story for Roland Deschain and his road to becoming literally the last gunslinger. <laughs> um, so it's good. And I, I don't know. I'm excited about it. It should be 
whatever it is, it's going to be better than the movie. Like it's, it's gotta be cause the movie was just an abomination, um, that I own on Blu-ray now. So yeah. anyway, um, so that's the dark tower news. Um, like I said, we'll probably have an episode proper with me and tiny talking about it and talking about our feelings about them trying another adaptation in one form or the other. Um, so moving on to my last piece of news for this episode, um, the pet cemetery trailer. Now there has been one trailer, um, that is by my accounts, by, by my account, like a very good, well done trailer where it shows hardly anything. It's very atmospheric, moody. You get voiceover of Judd played by uh, John Lithgow. It's just very compelling and really great, like gripping as hell. Then a couple of days ago, they released the second trailer for Pet Cemetery, which is coming out April 5th. So for the last time, I'm going to say this. I'm going to spoil Pet Cemetery the novel and um, by extension, the original movie also in 1989 and the plot reveals in the new trailer that came out this week. So before I begin, if you have not read pet cemetery or do not want, or you do not want to know how the new movie is different from the rest of the, or from the, from the source material, please stop listening to me. (laughs) Um, it's rare that I tell people not to listen to what I say on a podcast, but stop listening if you don't want to be spoiled because I was so angry when I saw this trailer and I will go on to why as soon as I finish this spoiler warning, um, please turn off the podcast, listen to another podcast, preferably obsessive viewer or, you know, anthology, but whatever. Um, and then come back to this after you've seen it and everything. So having said that, I'm going to play a clip from the trailer. Once I get back from that clip, I'm going to be spoiling pet cemetery all crazily. So there's your warning. Thank you for listening. Come back later. I know what you're thinking of doing. But they don't come back the same. Daddy. Puss. What's going on? Hug your daughter. I should never have shown you that place. Your child is not the only thing that will come back. The barrier is broken. We have a second chance. Sometimes dead is better. Okay, so that was a clip from the trailer, from the new trailer for Pet Cemetery, which is coming out April 5th um, in theaters. So um, we're going to have a novel review. We're going to review the novel Pet Cemetery here in a few weeks. And as such, I won't go into like much about it per se, but I will say that 
it is it is one of my absolute favorite Stephen King novels. I think it's been a while since I've listened to our past episodes, but I'm pretty sure I ranked it pretty high on uh, our top 19 um, Stephen King novels episode um, before the hiatus, um, which actually I just re-listened to Pet Cemetery on Audible uh, this week, just kind of for fun. And, uh, just listening to it again, I actually bumped it up a little bit on my, uh, top 19, which you'll hear about in a few weeks. But anyway, the thing that I love and, and, am, and am so drawn toward with the novel Pet Cemetery is how it unveils itself and how it's, it is, it is a, a, a despair ridden novel and it is magnificent. Like it is everything that I love about Stephen King. It is scary, but not in the sense that, Oh, it's, it's not a ghost that's coming to get you. It's not like, it's not like spooky noises around uh, uh, on every page or anything. It's that deep seated fear of losing control of your life and losing control of like, with Lewis Creed and his descent into madness, essentially, I kind of liken it to Jack Torrance's uh, um, character development in The Shining. But honestly, re-listening to Pet Cemetery again, I kind of think that it might. I think Pet Cemetery might be better than The Shining, and I think that Lewis Creed's development in Pet Cemetery is more tragic and engaging and more terrifying than Jack Torrance's descent in the shining. And the reason for that is because whereas Jack Torrance was, you know, being compelled by an, an external force to destroy his family, uh, Lewis Creed was being compelled by an external force to resurrect his family. Um, so the most compelling thing about pet cemetery, the, the most, the most compelling, tragic, heart-wrenching thing about the novel is Gage's death. And what happens in the novel, and I, like I've said this on Twitter, I think, or somewhere, that there are, there are certain moments in Stephen King's work that I remember vividly where I was when I read it, how I felt when I experienced it, and just like, like there are moments that shatter me in his writing. Um, off the top of my head, there's the shining, there's the dark tower, there's, um, pet cemetery, just shattering things like in pet cemetery. When Gage dies, it's about halfway through the book and we don't, we don't get it. Um, we get a scene where, uh, Lewis is playing with Gage in the yard with a kite and then it's prefaced by saying that, oh, this is like Lewis looked back on this day as the last day that he was happy or something like that. And then suddenly we get to the next part or the next chapter and Lewis is at Gage's funeral in the funeral home. And like, I was not expecting that when I read that the first time, like I had a hardcover copy of it at work on my, the second floor I was a security guard at, at an office building that I work at now as a, for the actual company. I'm not a security guard anymore, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. But I remember sitting at my desk, reading that section and just being absolutely devastated. Like 
like I said, it is shattering. Like it shattered my world. And part of that is because, uh, stupid me, I was picturing my nephew as Gage throughout the entire first half of the book. So that added to the devastation. But the book goes like it is the most gripping and harrowing passage of writing that I've read from Stephen King of, of all that I've read of his, of his work. Like it is, it's that emotionally effective to me. So we get the funeral, we get the, his, uh, altercation with, uh, with his father-in-law. And then we get this really, really just gripping and tragic moment where it's like, he's having a dream that Gage survived and what Gage could have become had he lived. And it's like, all of that together is just so, so powerful, so incredibly powerful. Now I say that because the movie, this trailer, um, first of all, obvious elephant in the room or cat in the road, um, Gage doesn't die. It's Ellie that dies according to this trailer. So, so that is a switch from, from the source material and I'm fine with that. Like there's an article, I haven't actually read the article. I didn't do my due diligence, but there's an article where I believe the filmmakers said that the reason that they chose to chose to make that change is because it is harder to get a younger actor, such as an actor playing Gage, like two or three year old to perform to their liking. So that's, it's kind of a, I don't know. That's, that's something. And I, and I get that. And I'm, and I'm not, I don't have qualms about Ellie being the one that dies like that. That's fine. My problem, the thing that pisses me off so much is that they showed it in the trailer. And I understand that movies are a business and that they have to sell that. They have to sell their story to anyone who will see this trailer and mass audiences don't like, they're not like, if you're, if you're listening, if you are listening to this podcast, if you've sought out this podcast and are listening to me talk about Stephen King and the Dark Tower and Pet Cemetery, this trailer is not meant for you. Like, this trailer is not meant for any of us. We know Stephen King's work. We know Pet Cemetery. We know what happens. This trailer is not for us because we know the story. We, we know we're going to see it. This trailer is for people who just know Stephen King by reputation. The people who think, Oh, Stephen King, he's a horror writer. I'm going to see this movie because I like this or whatever. So I understand the need to show that in the trailer. My issue with that and my, what pisses me off about it is that in the novel, in that moment where Gage dies, like that is a, that had, that is one of my top 10, maybe top five most like, emotionally uh affected passages of writing that I've read like it it had such a profound impact on me and by showing Ellie being killed in the trailer for Pet Cemetery I feel like the marketing of this movie deprived me of a similar experience because had I not seen that trailer had that not been in the trailer had that not been on the damn poster of the movie I would have gone into Pet Cemetery thinking, uh, like preparing myself for Gage to get to, 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 to die. And like, that would have been such an amazing surprise 
to have Ellie be the one that gets that gets run over. Like that would have been such a jaw dropping moment, and they fucking spoiled it in the trailer, and that is unacceptable to me. Like, and even in the trailer, like I'm, this is me just going into stupid analysis because, because it's in my head. Like this, this change is now in my head and will be in my head until I see the movie in April. And that's not fair. So like I'm seeing the trailer and I've only seen it twice because I watched it again so I can have it fresh in my mind for this, but I don't want to see it again. I never want to see it. I never want to see any trailer again after this, but in the trailer, like the way, and this could just be marketing. This could just be switching it around. They could be cross cutting and editing it in a way that makes it so that it doesn't seem that way. But, um, I guess this is the reason why I'm not okay. I'm I'm not disturbed by the actual change in the novel. But in the trailer, it shows that Ellie sees sees a church in the street, and it's presumed that she goes into the street to get him, and that's when she's run over. Um, which I think that that is brilliant. I think that's a great, great way to do it because a, um, it's the force of the pet cemetery and the, and the, and the, uh, Micmac burial ground and like the forces, uh, at play kind of causing her demise by having church lure her into the street. I, I think that that's phenomenal. Um, and B presumably in the movie, um, Lewis takes church's dead body to the pet cemetery or to the, to the burial ground past the pet cemetery and buries the cat. So that he comes back. So that having Ellie die going after church in the road, it just adds to the guilt of Lewis Creed and his descent into, into, uh, madness because like, it's one thing to, it's one thing to be, within an inch from grabbing your grabbing your child as he runs into the ro- runs into the road to his death but i feel like it could be another thing entirely to do something do something that brings back something from the dead so that your daughter will be happy and then having that action directly cause her dying like that that is very compelling and that's very great and i fucking hate that it's february 10th and this movie comes out april 5th and i'm saying these words because i should not have these in my head i should not have this thought i should not have these images in my mind because it should not be in the trailer like just I, I hate that. I hate that so much. And it's so disappointing to me. And I don't know. It's, I'm going to go in with an open mind, of course. And I'm going, to, I'm sure if they do everything right, um, I'm going to enjoy the movie and I'll have a lot to say about it. But it's just at this point in time, I'm just so angry that I, that I don't have that surprise because it's just, it's, it's so, ridiculous to me. And if you go back and listen to or watch the first trailer, I'll actually play the clip here um, in this episode. But that first trailer, like it seems designed to intentionally misdirect us into thinking that it's Gage that dies. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Alexa, shut down. Um, okay. So (laughs) I don't know how I'm going to edit this, but oh my God, that just scared the crap out of me. Um, whatever I said 
kicked off my Amazon Echo that I got for Christmas from my sister. And so as I'm saying that, <laughs> talking talking about how uh, you know terrifying and everything Stephen King is, my Echo uh, apparently was was um, triggered by something I said and like started talking and it scared the crap out of me. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, I'm going to the the first trailer um seems designed to keep us in the dark and to make us think that Gage is the one that dies. Like there is a specific part in the trailer where it sounds like Jason Clark as Lewis Creed is yelling for Gage and I'll play that here now. The round is bad. See, and they had they could have carried on with that, and it could have been a very great surprise for every Stephen King Pet Cemetery fan going to the movie to see it. But no, they had to have this trailer that honestly, I'm harping on the whole change and how it shows too much, but even after that, like it shows way too much of the story. Like it shows like it shows Judd, it shows um um Zelda it shows just so much stuff that should not be in the trailer like there's a moment where uh where Ellie comes back after she's after she's been resurrected and she like Lewis and um Rachel are in their home and like Lewis just says like hug your daughter and it's just like it's so chilling and very like it's very effective would have loved to have seen that in the movie instead of actually seeing it in the trailer. But yeah, it's just, it's, uh, it's just so aggravating to me. I, I hate it so much. Like, I hate that, I hate that we're at the point where movie trailers are giving away too much. And that's an antiquated kind of thing. Like, it's, it's not a new argument. People are talking about that all over the internet. How, you know, trailers give away too much and everything and blah, blah, blah. But it's, I don't know. It's just, it's, I feel just so betrayed by it as a Stephen King fan, because that's one of the reasons I, I watched the trailer was because I was like, well, I know the story. Um, but I, I don't know. It's just, it's so aggravating. And, uh, again, I really hope that if you're listening to this and you haven't read Pet Cemetery or, uh, or haven't been spoiled on it, I really hope that you didn't do that. <laughs> um, because man, I just feel like this, Movie that that moment could have been really special, really, really special in the movie, but the marketing ruined it, and that's that's so shitty. But anyway, that's my rant. I just needed to get that off my chest, really. Um, so I, yeah, so I'm kind of <laughs> trying to get my bearings here. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed that. That's gonna kind of close us out for this episode. Next time on the podcast, and I'm so happy to be saying that, uh, Tiny and I, Tiny's gonna be back. Uh, Tiny and I are going to resume our reviews of season one of Castle Rock. So next episode, that'll be episode 22 of, uh, of, of Tower Junkies. Um, we're going to review episodes five, six, and seven of season one of Castle Rock. That's Harvest, Filter, and one that I am so excited to talk to Tiny about um, on the podcast, um, The Queen, which is far and away uh, the best 
episode of the season. Um, so I'm super excited to uh, to get back in the swing of things and to talk to Tiny about that and to hear your guys' thoughts. If you have any thoughts, like, yeah, what did you think of the Pet Cemetery trailer? Are you as pissed as I am? Do you have an Amazon Echo that terrified you uh, while listening to this episode? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. Just check us out. Uh, follow us on every level of social media at Tower Junkies Pod. Follow me at Obsessive Viewer as well on, on Twitter. And check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tower Junkies Pod and on, uh, the internet <laughs> at our homepage at towerjunkiespod.com. So having said that, that's it. Um, I forgot to do this closeout. Wow, I forgot to do that closeout last in the last episode. Anyway, uh, long days and pleasant nights, and may you have twice the number. And thank you for listening. Tower Junkies is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to TowerJunkiesPod.com slash archive. You can also like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash towerjunkiespod and follow us on Twitter at towerjunkiespod. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is just a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at towerjunkiespod.com slash donate or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at tpublic.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find our flagship movie and TV review and discussion show, The Obsessive Viewer Podcast, at ObsessiveViewer.com, and on Twitter, at ObsessiveViewer. You can also find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at AnthologyPod.com and OV AnthologyPod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective. Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. Music for the podcast is provided with permission from Fingers T on YouTube. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash as good as it gets band. Thank you so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights. Kitty!